the Florida Gators and stake their claim for the national championship of 1996. Here's Tebow, jump pass, throw it to the end zone, and a touchdown, David Nelson scores! Back down. You can stand me up at the gates Football, dropping back to throw, pops and fires the ball, over the middle, it's, it's there, it's there, he's got a touchdown, Dory has got a touchdown, oh man! be turned around. Not a body yeah. within 10 yards, lofting down the sideline for Johnson, and he is... All right, I'm Jeff Prosser, and this is Gator Glory, a podcast that takes you inside what made the Gator football program what it is today. And we're going to do that through the vehicle of the former players who were so important and integral to Florida waking up from a 75-year slumber. And when I think of guys that triggered that turnaround, the first guy that that pops into my mind is a guy that I, I kind of feel... And Shane Matthews joins us right now. And, and Shane, I kind of feel like you almost don't quite get enough due. I, do you feel that way ever? I don't mean to start this with some sort of a loaded question, but, you know, it's all about the fun and gun and the Heismans and the national titles. And while you didn't get to experience a natty and while you didn't get to win a Heisman trophy, I, I don't think there is a person who more exemplified what Florida could do than, than you in taking over that starting quarterback job in 1990. Well, Jeff, I appreciate it. Uh, you know, I, I feel like, you know, uh, the 90 and the 91 teams kind of get lost in the whole shuffle. I think we were really good teams that, you know, kind of laid the foundation for what Spurrier was to build at Florida. And, you know, it, it's it's great because if we hadn't played well, there would be no Werfels, Ike Hilliards, Rito Anthony's, Fred Taylor's. You know, those kids wouldn't have wanted to come play there. So uh, would it have been fun to throw to those those guys that Werfel threw to? Heck, yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, I had some decent players myself. But uh you know, it, it's fun to, to be able to say that, that you, I was Spurrier's first quarterback and, and we did lay the foundation. All right, so you're, you're there in 1989, and Florida is just kind of grunted along for the last three or four years to, you know, turning out six and five seasons. Emmett kept their head above water, but you weren't exactly an offensive powerhouse. You were kind of lost in the shuffle. I know you still had hopes and designs on winning that quarterback job, but it's not like the 1989 season ended and Shane Matthews thought, wow, I'm about to go be SEC player of the year three years in a row. So if you could just tell me what you're, what, what you thought initially, what you knew about Steve Spurrier when he took that job and then how, that relationship player coach between he and you blossomed to the point that, you know, four months later, you're named his starter. Well, to be quite honest with you, Jeff, you know, I grew up an old Miss kid, uh, my mom and dad, my the mom was a cheerleader there. My dad played football there and uh, wanted to play in the SEC. So I went to Florida, kind of got lost in the shuffle. Uh, if they'd had the transfer portal back in those days, I probably would have left, but my parents weren't going to let me transfer. So honestly, when Spurrier was hired, I had never heard of him, and I'm, I'm a guy that knew college football, watched every SEC game back in those days, whatever was on TV, 
And my dad and I just watched his last game against, you know, that he coached at Duke in that All-American Bowl in Birmingham. I think they played Texas Tech. And I was like, dang, this is what we did in high school. And uh, so, you know, Spurrier comes in in the spring meeting, his first meeting, and he said, I don't care who you are, what you've done around here, everyone will be given an opportunity to show what they can do. And that's typical coach speak, right? And uh, so, you know, I was still buried fifth or sixth on the depth chart. It depended on which day of the week it was, but I was fifth or sixth. And um, I always got stuck. You know, they'd send the the top two guys or top three guys used to go down and throw routes on air to the receivers. I always got sent down to the tight ends with John Reeves. And uh, John Bob just kind of took me under his wings, um, just throwing balls to Kirk Kirkpatrick and that crew. And, you know, and, and we kind of uh, built a bond. And a couple guys got hurt, didn't play great in scrimmages. And he kind of got in Spurrier's ear, why don't you give Shane a chance? And I played pretty well. And then obviously played real well in the orange and blue game, which was in the Gator Bowl over there. And uh, the rest was kind of history. Now, it, so you, you go from a guy who's probably – wondering if you'll ever get a chance to play at Florida, to suddenly thrown into this role of trigger man for an offense that truly was going to revolutionize the SEC. It was three yards in a cloud of dust league until Steve Spurrier got there. But I I don't think you could have even imagined, though, just how prolific and potent that passing tack was going to be. Did you feel like what Steve Spurrier was able to do at Duke was going to work at Florida against the the caliber of talent that you had seen there already in your career? Well, you know, for a guy who'd never taken a snap in a college game, I, I love, because I'd always been a kid who drew up plays, you know, while my dad was drawing up plays for Friday nights and stuff. And I just loved how he taught it. And it just kind of came very natural to me. Uh, we kind of thought the same way. And, you know, I wasn't quite sure how it was going to turn out. I mean, obviously, you know, growing up in the SEC, it was always, you know, Herschel and Bo Jackson and, and just running the football. And, you know, I know when he named me the starter, a lot of the Bull Gators throughout the state weren't real happy about it. <laughs> how can you start a guy who'd never taken a snap? But, uh, I, you know, I tell the story all the time, Jeff. Um, you know, we always, always met with Coach on Thursdays and Friday mornings before the game, kind of go through our little play sheets and, um, but we never really said, okay, this is the play we're starting the game with. Because so many things change, you know, where do you get the ball? What hash, you know, do we, you know, build a kick on the five-yard line for some reason? We start on the on our own five. So I didn't know exactly what we are going to start with. But, you know, he's going around the locker room before the Oklahoma State game, uh, you know, fist bumping everybody. And he comes up to me in my locker and he's like, all right, Shane, uh, what play you want to start with? <laughs> I was like, uh, Coach, we can just, you know, how about a draw or a screen or something he's like shoot they didn't pay me all this money coming down here and run the football we go throw it we're gonna throw it down the field first play and so uh we call trips left z short blue slide z deep cross do you still remember yeah, the exact play call oh yeah yeah I, well his his system is so it's, it's very complicated but it's so simple um so yeah i remember all the play calls and uh, hit ernie mills for about 28 yards yep. and then you know hit a, ernie mills i think on a couple plays yep uh that and then Dexter McNabb scores from about four yards out in five plays and, and the rest was history. Yeah, I can remember. I, I remember being in the stadium that day, in fact, and and uh, Trey Everett, he got deep uh, for you that game as well. Was it 50 to seven? I think the final. I mean, you got to understand for those of us that I graduated UF in 89. So just, to, you know, the year before that football season. So, I, you know, I went through um, Florida go five games and not score 50 points, Shane. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, there's no doubt. It's just and and look as a football player, you probably realize it even more now 
you know, as a player and as a young kid, just just having fun and running that offense. It was so far ahead of its time, right? I mean, now it seems kind of silly. Everybody throws it a thousand times. Everybody's good at throwing it now. But at the time, you weren't. And the SEC was not prepared to stop you guys, were they? They weren't. And, you know, it's funny, you know, because when Urban came along, they called it like this spread offense. Well, we spread people out back in 1990 when we'd go five wides. Um, I just wasn't fortunate enough to play out of the shotgun. I used to beg for it, but Spurrier never let me play out of the shotgun. But, yeah, it was – you know, we got so many mismatches in college football back in those days. Uh, the way he would formation people, motion, just to get mismatches. I mean, it took defensive coordinators a long time to figure it out. And and obviously the one that, that was tough on him was uh, Bill Oliver, who was always at Alabama. You know, they, they always had great defenses. 1990 um, produces a heck of a year. And so now you go into 91 – Really, you're probably now dreaming of, for one, winning the SEC in a fashion that they'll allow you to keep it. I know there's uh, certainly some still stinging that goes on from that 1990 declaration that it took what would have been a title away from you guys. But after 90, you go from hoping to be a guy that can play to now hoping to be a guy who can win a natty, maybe? Are we that far along uh, that quickly? Well, I felt like, you know, we we knew we were going to be a good football team. Uh, We had a lot of guys returning in 91. And... uh, you know, we had Alabama coming to our ballpark. Um, just we, we thought it, we had an opportunity. And, and honestly, you know, we just if, – if it would have been the new format of how they have now, we would have probably been in that fourth mm-hmm. playoff. Um, but, yeah, it was uh, – it was a heck – I mean, that 91 team was really, really good. And I don't think people realize how good we were. And it, it, you know, that set the table for the success that Steve Spurrier enjoyed, you know, for his full 12, 13 uh, years there. 92 is kind of an odd year for you, right? I mean, it, it had its successes, but it had its hardships for you. I, I believe here you are in your final year as the Gator quarterback. And I, correct me if I'm wrong, you got two freshman tackles, I think, <laughs> protecting you. So that was kind of a bridge year. And, you know, that's an underrated season you gave them there, Shane. And I think if 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 circumstances had been different and an inexperienced quarterback would have led that '92 team, I think it could have gone off the rails a little bit, at least as much as one can under Coach Spurrier. So while that was a season, you know, that didn't produce the amount of wins and the AP ranking that maybe '90 90 and '91 did, I, I think '92, in, in many ways, was a season that made it possible for the program to now elevate into winning that national title, you know, a national title in the middle of the decade. So how do you look back on that, that 92 season that had that thrilling SEC championship game debut as well? Well, 92 was rough. I, I lost my mom to breast cancer at age 44, right before the season started, right? Like at the end of July. So that was rough. Uh, you know, my parents made the trip after my dad's high school games, you know, it, it didn't matter how far they had to drive. They were there the next day. So that was tough. But as you said, we had to start two true freshman tackles back in 1992, which is unheard of. Nowadays, it's common. But back then, no. And, uh, you know, I think people forget we started the season at one and two. And I think it was Spurrier's in his 12 years at Florida. I think it's his best coaching job. Uh, You know, that was the first year of the East and the West divisions when they added uh, Arkansas and South Carolina. And so um, we rallied the troops somehow. And, you know, he says his favorite win over Georgia, which was mine as well. My first two were blowouts. But, you know, Georgia was ranked fourth or fifth in the country when we played them over there, heavy favorites, and mm-hmm. we found a way to – and we ended up playing, you know, starting the year one and two and, and making it to the first ever SEC championship game, which was a lot of fun to play in. Obviously, we'd like a different outcome, but we had no business being on the field with that team. Uh, 
I mean, like I said, we, we weren't great uh, my senior year in 92, but we found a way to make it a really good year. And we ended up 10th in the country, you know, and, and, and another thing with Coach Furrier, which is a, a tremendous stat, you know, I know pretty much every person who's been in a recruiting class for Saban's won a national title. We understand all that. But Steve Spurrier in his 12 years, every player he had won a minimum of nine games. That's crazy. Especially considering what Florida had been so hungry for. When you won that first SEC in 91, could you feel just like the weight of the the world lift off the Gator program? And that really that, that opened the door for all of the success that's come since then. I mean, it's hard to imagine. Like, you were probably surprised as players to learn that Florida had never won an SEC. Oh, well, yeah, especially a guy who I really didn't know much about Florida football, um, you know, growing up in Mississippi and you know, it, it was it was wonderful for all these Gator fans to finally have that official uh, title. And I remember the celebration in the swamp after the game against Kentucky when we clinched it. But us as players, we still felt like we won it the previous year. Yeah. Well, and your coach always emphasized that to this day. You know that. I run into coach yep. this day, and he'll still bring up that. Anytime you bring up 91, boy, he brings up 90. Real quick, how close are you with those guys, Shane, as you go through, you know, you, you reach this point of life like me when you get in the middle of it. How, how close do you remain and how special do those early days of really waking up the Gator program uh, remain to you? Well, I mean, I'm obviously I'm, I'm a diehard Gator. I, I'm, I watch every game. I do a bunch of radio for the Gators. Um, you know, it's great. to You know, that, that's the great thing about sports. And, you know, back in our days, we lived in Yon Hall. And I wish they still had athletic dorms because I think you would see a better bond among uh, football players and other athletes on campus. But uh, there was nothing like living in Yon Hall and, and, the, and the bond you build with those kids, uh, the other players. It lasts a lifetime. And, you know, you get to see them when they're back tailgating or like Spurrier this weekend uh, for Tennessee. He's having the 95, 96 uh, little reunion for those teams. And, and he did that a few years for 90 and 91. So, it's great to see everybody come back. We're all a little bit bigger and a little bit older, but uh, <laughs> you know everybody still acts the same as they were in the locker room. It's great. <laughs> uh, third all-time in school passing yards is Shane Matthews, and he's the only Gator quarterback. Okay, all of them: Werfel and Grossman and and Tebow and Leak. The only player with three of the top ten single-season marks, and I don't think Gator Glory would have reached uh, the point that it did without Shane Matthews uh, being a part of, of triggering that all. Shane, we wait now for Florida to return to that to that level, you know, a level where they can uh, be considered a favorite for the SEC and and at least a contender to win the national title. I, I think we saw him step a little closer to that level uh, against Alabama on Saturday. But at the end of the day, for Dan Mullen, we're still in the waiting mode, right? He's, he's, he's proven they've got a good program, maybe a really good program, but not quite yet a great program. You've got to win some of these games against great teams. But uh, are you, like the rest of Gator Nation, at least a little more encouraged moving forward by the way they played against Bama on Saturday? I am. I was extremely impressed at how we controlled both lines of scrimmage. You know, the, I, I thought we outcoached them and outplayed them after the first quarter. We made some adjustments. I thought Emory played his best game, he, a very gutty game. I mean, he, he took a beating but made some big-time plays. So, uh, yeah, here, here's the thing is, obviously, Alabama has better players than we do. I think everybody knows that. They have the top recruiting class about every year. And I know people get on our recruiting. I think our recruiting will get a hundred times better once our in, uh, standalone football facility is built, which has got about another year and a half to go. But but it's not a dream anymore. It's not kids looking at pictures, you know, 
it's actually being constructed right now. And so I think that will definitely help the Gator football program. All right. Shane, I appreciate it so much. Not just blowing smoke, man. You're, you're appreciated, beloved by uh, so many in Gator Nation, especially those who kind of crossed over. You know, you're our crossover vehicle, Shaner. I was in you know, I was in college, man. You're going six and five because Emmett's going for 200 every week. I mean, you're winning games 10 to three, man. I mean, a win's a win, yeah. but Gator football became fun in 1990, and I, I really think Steve Spurrier and Shane Matthews played the biggest part in that. I, I appreciate you, my brother. Thanks for taking some time. I got a good trivia question for you. I can bring it. I didn't, I didn't bring it. This, but start, you know, Coach Spurrier, he, he's always got these stats, right? Uh-huh. He, he, I, I do a podcast with him weekly, and he, he gives me a new Gator uh, stat. <laughs> All right. Okay, he asked me, this is probably about two months ago, and I think I told your boy Hick in this, too. Okay. Who, who is the only starting quarterback in Gator football history to never lose a home game? The only starting quarterback in Gator football history to not lose a home game. I'm uh, going through my brain. That would be Shane Matthews. That's right. Yeah. I was like, really? Yeah. I, he, yeah. Yep, you're the only. Yeah I'm, 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 yeah, I'm going through my brain. I'm thinking 93. Nope, you're gone when Charlie came in and won that game. I'm thinking 90 and 91. I mean, shoot, was the Kentucky game the closest one, Shane? <laughs> the 91 yeah, yeah. when they charged back, right? That may have been the closest one. Maybe FSU 91 yeah. also. Yeah, so I, I was like, "Are you serious?" Wow. But you know, he he sits in his office there as the ambassador. And <laughs> you love stuff, that so. guy, don't you? You guys have become closer and closer through through the years. You can tell just you know your your relationship together. Yeah, I mean, he's he's a piece of work. There's nobody like him. His <laughs> memory is unbelievable right now at 76 years old, and uh, he's a diehard Gator, the greatest Gator of all time. Did the relationship change when you started beating him on the golf course? Uh, well, I mean, his age caught up with yeah. him. Yeah. I didn't beat him when I was in college. He only gives you one shot, but <laughs> I didn't really know what I was doing on the golf course in college. Yeah, you're a good player now. Once I, got, once I got into the pros, you know, I had a little more time to understand what I was doing. I wasn't just uh, having a good time out there. So, <laughs> now he's, uh, he doesn't play as much anymore because of his back and hip and hands and all that, but he still goes out and there plays a few holes a day. Shane, uh, enjoy the rest of the day, the rest of the week, the rest of the year, and the rest of the life. We appreciate it. Anytime, Jeff. Take care, bud. Hey.